Good morning. Thank you, Samuel. We're here at, uh, again, as Samuel said, Power 89.1 FM Radio, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. And it's great to be here on this autumn morning. A station engineer, Samuel, thank you for sitting in for Wanda today, Samuel. You're most welcome, sir. Good You're to welcome. have you. And my assistant, David Abood. Welcome, David. Good morning, John, Samuel. Good to be here today. Beautiful day. And uh, last week, we had a great show with the Care for AIDS and all that they're yes. doing. And yeah. uh, very interesting, David, the work that's going on in Kenya and throughout Africa with that group. And maybe you can tell me a little about what you'll be doing to help them. And is that two weeks' time they're going yes. to do? Yes, uh, November 18th, um, Bay High School is actually hosting uh, an event to pack 100,000 meals uh, for the Care for AIDS event. Um, and uh, we're probably expecting close to 600 volunteers. So that is November 18th. I believe there's in information on that on the Care for AIDS website, John. But uh, we're going to be there. So it That's should be a great event. Yeah. yeah. We had a great uh, interview last week with the founder. And again, like David said, if you want more information on it, you can go to Bay Prez, B A Y P R E S dot org, and you'll see a link there for it. Or you can go to Care for AIDS. And you'll also see how you might get involved. Well, today we're going to switch gears a little bit, David. And uh, we had an co interesting conversation, actually, the past couple of weeks we've been involved with, and I remember last week, but on the issue of the Trinity. Yes. And uh, it provided a great discussion. And the Trinity has always been a, a, a foundational pillar of our Christian faith, but it's also been much discussed and, and uh uh, argued about, and we'll talk about even how false doctrines got in about the Trinity and the importance of the Trinity, uh, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, uh, in the lives of us as believers. We're going to see that uh, these three persons of God, the Godhead, are intricately involved in creation, in our um, the resurrection of Jesus, in our own regeneration, our sanctification, all of these elements. And I want to start in the last verse of Second Corinthians where Paul gives this final greeting to the church at Corinth. And he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And so we see, here we see the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, God the Father, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit with all of you. And uh, we're going to see this all through the New Testament, as well as we're going to look into the Old Testament too, is the grouping of these three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we go forward in the scripture. Now, just to give a little background information on this, um, a lot of times people will say to me in my travels and uh, having worked in the mission field overseas, well, I can't understand it, therefore it's not, it's not true. It cannot be true if I don't understand it. Well, that's not the issue. The issue is, is it's revealed in the word of God. And I remind people that we are finite beings. We human beings are finite. We are limited in our understanding, in our knowledge, God is infinite. Uh, he's He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. Uh, and for us to even apprehend anything about God, He has to reveal it to us. That's why Christianity is called a revealed uh, religion. And uh, we're going to look at this and how this kind of unfolds uh, through the Scriptures, starting at the very beginning, where God will say, "Let us." make man in our image, plural, let us make man in our, and then it says God made him. Then you see a singular God making him. So you see this back and forth from singularity to community, somehow community in the, in the person of God. And we're going to look at that. But to really get a good grip on it, I think we have start with Psalm 19. Psalm 19 
it shows how God has revealed himself to human beings here on this earth. And if you look at Psalm 19, you'll see verses 1 and 2 will say, uh, The heavens declare the glory of God. <clears throat> the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. So this is basically saying that the first way God reveals himself to us is through creation, through the very universe. And this is going on day and night, day and night. I mean, just look out this morning. All the leaves are changing color. We're moving from right. autumn to winter. Yeah. There's this, the, uh, the sun came up at a certain time this morning. There's this kind of real predictability and beauty and harmony in nature. And that's God's first revelation to us. It's what's called general revelation. All people all around the world throughout all the ages have this revelation from nature itself. And that's why it'll say in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, Everything that we should see, all everything that is uh, created should tell us about a creator. So nobody has an excuse to say, I didn't know there was a creator God. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln was the one that said, uh, everything I see teaches me to believe in a God that I do not see. So there's the first revelation, okay? Just what's going on in the universe. It's a, it's a declaration about the creator. And that's why I like the term universe. Uni meaning one, verse meaning statement. It's a singular statement. But then look what happens when you go down to verse 7. The 7 and 8 of that same psalm. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant giving light to the eyes. Okay, so now we go from creation, revelation, to more specific revelation, where he's talking about the Word of God. Mm -hmm. That's where we're going to learn more about God, his attributes, his character, as well as we're going to learn about humankind, that men are made in the image of God, but we've separated ourselves from God because of sin, and then the whole redemption plan from Genesis to Revelation. But the important thing here is says the, the Word of the Lord is perfect. Yeah. We have to believe, is this God's word? I mean, that's yeah, that's our that's starting point. Right. That's foundational. Yeah. And then it'll say in Proverbs chapter 3, Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord. Now, this is very important when we come to an issue like the Trinity. Yeah. Because if we lean on our own understanding, we'll say something like, I can't understand it. I can't figure it out. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it cannot be true. Well, again... Lean not to your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge the Lord. In other words, go to his word. What is it saying? Again, we're dealing with finite man, limited in our understanding, mm -hmm. with an infinite God. Again, I compare it to if you had an aquarium with goldfish, they couldn't figure out what you're doing in the house yeah. or your library or what you're doing in your office. I mean, they just, because they just don't have that capability. Right. So, too, with us. We're limited. We're very limited. That's probably close to what we are. Exactly. But <laughs> yeah. if you could somehow reveal yourself to that right. goldfish, right. then he could understand something. Yeah. So, too, if God chooses to reveal himself to us, which he does yes. through his word, then we start to understand, oh, now I understand better. Not that we ever fully understand, but we're going to start approaching that understanding. Yeah. I just want to give our call number here. Uh, this is www.wnzn.org. That's www.wnzn.org if somebody wants to live stream us. And if anyone wants to call in uh, with some insight or a question, uh, our number here is 440-399-3044.
That's 440-399-3044. And, and to pick up on this theme, one more, I'm just laying the groundwork here. In Isaiah chapter 55, um, there's this statement where the Lord will say, regarding again this idea, how can we understand God unless he reveals yeah, himself to 55, us? That's 55.8. Uh, yes, do you have that, David? Yeah, for my thoughts uh, are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Okay, and you can keep going, David. Well, go ahead. I, I, that, that's the only passage I pulled okay. up. Go ahead. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. In other words, his thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are the way, my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Yeah. Do you understand what he's mm -hmm. saying here? But... God has chosen to reveal things about himself to us in his word. And that's where, how we're going to approach the Trinity. Yeah. You know, it was something funny <laughs> when you were talking about the goldfish. Yeah, yeah. And you said we'd have to come down yeah. and uh, we'd have to get into, you know, the tank. Goldfish. Bowl. I kind of pictured that you know, with God and us saying, okay, these guys are like goldfish. I got to come down into the tank to get them to understand what I'm doing and who who sure. I am. He's, he's, it, I mean, it, it subtly, it, you know, as that came across earlier, I just think uh, that's really what happened. Yeah. So he has to, so to speak, reveal himself to us in some capacity. Otherwise, we don't yeah. know. We yeah. understand there's a creator, but who creator or how creator? Or what is he like? What are we like? And what's our relationship with him? Similar thing is said in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. It says. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we might do his words. In other words, they say there's things that belong to God alone, but the things he's chosen to reveal to us, they're for us, as we studied this morning, mm -hmm. and they're for our children. Mm -hmm. In other words, we pass them on to yeah. the next generation, yeah. the next generation. That's the, that's the spirit or that's the attitude we approach as we study the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And as I said earlier, right in the beginning in Genesis, we say, God says, let us make man in our image. Okay? Let us make man in our image. And then it'll say, in his image made he them. So you'll see this thing going back and forth where you'll see Elohim. Anytime you see an I am suffix at the end of a, a word, uh, often that makes a spiritual being plural. Like hmm. cherubim, see I the see. I am. Yeah. You could have a cherub, but you cherubim or seraph with an I am at the end, seraphim. So Elohim, it implies again some type of plurality or community, but mm -hmm. there's oneness. Mm -hmm. that, it's very important to establish God is one. God is one. Yes. And that's all through the New Testament. Right. Through the Old Testament, God is singular. What we call monotheistic. Yeah. And of course, that's. Uh, that 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 that's foundational. Yeah, and John, um, I pulled up Colossians two nine, which said, "For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form." Just okay. when you were talking about that. Yeah. So it says now in verse uh, chapter one, verse twenty six of Genesis. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish, over the birds, over the." So God, singular, created man. You see how this is going by. Yeah. created him male and female then god singular blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth then it, you see this singularity as emphasis but then it, it switches back to this idea that <coughs> pardon me that there is 
our or, or there's more than one going on here in this creative process same thing again you'll see in um, when God is going to judge at the Tower of Babel uh, when the people come together and they want to make this tower uh, actually in rebellion against God it's in chapter uh, 11 but then the Lord says in verse 4 uh, verse 4 the human beings said let's build a tower let's reach to heaven some kind of idolatry is going on here the people are clustering together they're told to spread out and repopulate the earth and then it says in verse 6 um, and the Lord said indeed the people are one and they all have one language and this they will do and he says verse 7 come let us us go down yeah and there confuse their language uh, and then the Lord scattered you see that let us plural and then the Lord scattered them singular you understand how yeah. this thing goes back yeah. and forth? Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And so once we have a better grasp of that, right. we can move through the um, scripture. Now, I again, that. Wow. where people get in trouble is they go, I can't figure it out. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. If you stick with the scripture, you'll, you'll not that anyone fully understands this profound mystery of the mm -hmm. Trinity, but we can approach it. We can start to apprehend it. Remember what God says. The secret things belong to the Lord alone, but those things he's revealed to us, they belong to us and to our children. So it's a little like, I'm going to refer to you in a minute, David, but if you're flying an airplane and you're flying at night in the fog, especially if you're over the ocean, you, you, your inner ear is telling you this, your eye is telling you something, everything is telling you. But to be safe, you have to go with what? The instrument gauges. You have, remember John F. Kennedy Jr.? Yeah. Yeah, I he got, the, yeah, he got turned around because uh, he was flying at night, but he was not certified to fly it with instrument gauges, nor was I um, when I flew my wife up to Canada. And we had fog cover all the windows, and we had ice on our wings. If I didn't have my co-pilot in the uh, plane with me, I, I don't think there's any way we could have gotten out of that. And same with Kennedy. He was not able to use the instrument gauges to know up and down he got turned around yeah so yeah. if you trust even though your eye is telling right. you this right your inner ear your balance Correct. is telling yeah. you this you don't listen to that so to speak but you listen right what what is what is the compass saying what is the net all your instrument panel is going so think of the instrument panel as the word of god that, that's a great way to look at it for me john i mean that makes perfect sense because there's so many things we don't understand. We need to have that kind of, uh, you know, tool yeah. to understand how we're going to navigate. Exactly right. And through life, life can be confusing. Yes. You know, I mean, we're in this world. It's a fallen world. We're trying to work our way mm -hmm. through this world. Mm -hmm. All this chaos at times and yeah. loss and stuff. And we're trying to make sense of it. But if we have the Word of God, it's in a sense, we're piloting through this. But we know that that's fixed, right. that that doesn't change. Right. And that will get us through. Yes. And so many people that I talk to don't understand the Trinity because their default is, like John F. Kennedy Jr., well, my eyes tell me this, my ears, you know, I, I can't figure out how could there be one God eternally revealed in three distinct persons. You see? Yes. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier. Last night, one of the things I wrote on the board as we were prepping for this show is... Do I believe that the Bible is the Word of God? And my answer is yes. But when you do that, John, as you said earlier, we have to have faith that it is and what is in the Bible is true, even though we can't understand it. And I think you you know, uh, you know, put that in my brain, and I've assimilated that now that we've been walking together, 
But that is so important here, especially. Well, that's the thing, David. Yeah. Faith. Everybody has yeah. faith. Right. But what do they have faith in? That's the issue. For right. example, if, if, if you go on an elevator and it's going to go up, let's say, 50 floors. You're in Chicago at the Sears Tower. When you go on that elevator and you see that certificate on the back of the elevator that says this yeah. elevator is the state of <laughs> Illinois, it hold. can hold. Does that <laughs> yeah. build trust in you? Oh, yeah. I've been I mean, in third world countries yes. where they don't have that. I always look at the date, too, <laughs> yeah. in New York, yeah. <laughs> but see, those words right. build faith in you. Yes, they do. If you go to the doctor's office mm -hmm. and you need surgery, yeah. and you look behind him and you see all those diplomas, yeah. I don't care if he's got a diploma from kindergarten. Yeah. I just want to see a bunch of diplomas. <laughs> Why? Because those words right. instill faith. Yes, they do. Those words build trust. So much so, yes. the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right. That's the issue. Mm -hmm. What is truth? Mm -hmm. Now, is this true? Is God's word true or is it not true? Right. And that's going back to our original statement. And now here's the thing about truth. If everybody in the world doesn't believe in truth, that doesn't make truth any the lesser. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Truth is truth. Uh, if people want to believe it, if they don't want to believe it, truth is truth. That's just what it is. So as we approach this, we're going to turn a couple places to look at the Trinity in the Old Testament. We'll go to Isaiah chapter 48 for a moment. Isaiah. Chapter 48. We'll, we'll do Isaiah for a little bit here and then we'll bounce around. But what I'm just trying to establish is we're going to go to see how this truth. Uh, and doctor, do you have uh, Isaiah 48 and 16 and 17? Yes, I do. Okay, if you'd read that. Sure, happy to. Um, come near me and listen to this. From the first announcement, I have not spoken in secret at the time it happens. I am there, and now the Sovereign Lord has sent me, endowed with his Spirit. For this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. Okay, now this is very powerful, because why? It says, come near, God, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Hear this, he says, come near. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. In other words, this is something you should know. We just looked at Genesis chapter 1, which is the beginning. From the time that it was, I was there. In other words, God's eternal. He was there. And now the Lord God, God the Father, and his Spirit, Holy Spirit, have sent who? Me. This mm -hmm. is Jesus. This is very similar yes. to when Jesus was baptized. Yes. Well, you know, the, uh, the mm -hmm. Jesus is in the river, in the Jordan. Holy yeah. Spirit comes down as a dove. The Father says, this is my beloved Son. For God so loved the world, he gave or he sent his only Son. And look at the titles. Thus says what? The Lord, your Redeemer. Well, what does it mean to redeem? A redeemer is a title of somebody that purchases back. Yeah, you know, it, it, in the old days with pawn shops, if you if you needed money, you took your guitar, your radio to a pawn shop. They give you a ticket. That was a redemption ticket. So when you we had the money in that, you could go in there, give the money, mm -hmm. and redeem back your valuable. Right. You were purchased. Right. Well, who purchased us back? You can go back Jesus. in time and fix anything. Yeah, he's, and, re, he's yeah, our redeemer, again. and he's also called what there? Not just the Holy Lord, one redeemed, of Israel. Holy one. How many times yeah. has Jesus been called? Even the demons called him the Holy One of Israel. Right. They says, what do we have to do with you, thy Holy That's One right. of Israel? So yeah. what I'm getting at is as you start studying the scripture, we're going to start layering in where we see in the Old Testament. We might go back and forth a little bit this morning, but I want us to look at this idea 
of uh, what does the scripture say about the person of God. I like that. Yeah. So then, then we just kind of uh, keep moving forward. Now, now, other times people will say, well, the word Trinity isn't in the scripture. I've heard people say that. Well, if that's the case, here's the problem with that. Uh, God is, uh, God knows everything. It's what we call he's omniscient, right? It says right. that in Psalm 139 and yeah. Jeremiah 23. Well, the word omniscient is not in the Bible. That word is not in the Bible. But the expansion and the explanation of that word is in the Bible. Yeah. God is everywhere, right? Right. What we call omnipresent. It'll talk about that in the scripture. Well, that specific word is not in the Bible. Right. <laughs> now, omnip omnipotent or all-powerful, that word is in the Bible. You'll find it in Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. Millennium is not in the Bible. It's described in, Gen in uh, Revelation a thousand years. No. The word incarnation is not in the Bible. So if we just say, because the word, the Trinity, is not in the Bible, that makes it invalid, That does it's not consistent. Because there's many words that are not in the Bible, but we still use incarnation or millennium or yeah. omission. Right. So that a rapture is not in the Bible. Divinity is not in the Bible. So what I'm getting, if you look at the for the specific word on these truths, you don't always find that exact wording. You know, John, uh, the scripture that I like uh, the most are, um, you know, the question is, are there any biblical passages to support the fullness of God as three distinct persons? The answer that I pulled up was in Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus uh, says the gospel of Matthew, um, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right, so there now at the that's at the end of Jesus' yes, ministry. At the beginning, yeah. you see the Trinity, like I just referenced in right. the River Jordan, where Jesus is being baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, mm -hmm. and then God the Father will say, "This is my beloved Son." So at the beginning of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, you see yes. this Trinitarian yeah. kind of formulation. It's all connected. Go yeah. baptizing them in the name singular. Yep. Mm -hmm. Father, Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Three. Yeah. So that, that that's where we're coming uh, yes. with this. So you'll see this, again, operational uh, all through the scriptures. I mean, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. We'll just see how this works out in the life, in our lives as believers, as part of our um, regeneration. Okay, I have it, John. Now look at verse 3. Verse 3. Uh, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay, in verse 4. For he chooses us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. There's, a, there's the Father, and how he's working, he's chosen us, he wants us to be holy. Now look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now who's redeemed, redeemed us by his blood? Jesus. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. the second person. Now look at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal the promised Holy Spirit. Okay. What do you so, know? So wow. what I'm getting at is yeah. you study with some sensitivity yeah. the scriptures, yeah. they'll come out to you. You oh, see yeah. what I'm saying? They'll They're start emerging right. to you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It's, it's again, it's not that I fully understand it, but does the word of God declare it? You know, there's many things we don't understand, but we still accept. Like my old preacher friend said, 
I don't know how a brown cow eats green grass and gives white milk, but I still like <laughs> vanilla milkshakes. You know, we don't understand mystery, but God reveals mystery. Yeah. You see? Yes. If we, if, yeah, if we're open to it and, and we pray. So what it comes down to basically is what yeah. is truth. Yeah. Actually, that's what Pilate asked Jesus. He stood in front of Jesus. He says, what is truth? What is true? You know, we come on this planet. You know, Socrates, the, the Greek philosopher, said, an unexamined life is not worth living. All human beings sometime in their life should question existence. What are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Why am I here? Yeah. Why is this universe here? What happens to me when I die? We said before, these are the four primary questions throughout all humanity man has asked. Number one is origin. <coughs> How did this all start? How did this all begin? Yeah. Was there a big bang and everything happened? Is it just part of our imagination? Was there a creator that created it? Number two is meaning. Does life have meaning? Does it have purpose uh, or not? An existentialist or an atheist would say, no, you live, you breathe, you live 80 years, 90 years, you die, you're extinguished. Uh, number three, morality. Is there a code of conduct? Is there some way I should live? Should I do this, not do that? And number four, destiny. What happens when I die? Those four questions are what all philosophies and religions are based upon. Origin, meaning, morality, destiny. But the, this thumb is the key. That's your source of authority. Why do I believe this about origin? Why do I believe that? The thing is what the Word of God it's it answers this fully, yeah. Yeah. fully origin. There's a created order. It's very orderly and systematic. Meaning, yes. life is full of meaning. Mm -hmm. what, what's man's purpose is to glorify God. Yeah. Uh, morality. Mm -hmm. God gives us high morality. Jesus right. gives us high morality. Yeah. He says, it's not just thou shalt not kill. He says, don't even think in your heart or you commit murder. You see what I'm saying? And then destiny. Mm -hmm. That when we live, when this life is short and we're going to spend eternity in heaven with God. Yeah. So those four... Well, you know, John, uh, when I started my walk with you, um, I just remember that the key thing we talked about is, you know, it's easy to look at all these different books. You, you imagine how many authors and different topics are based on those four questions that you just had. And I remember when we spoke about it, I've turned away so many of those books for the Bible. Mm -hmm. And you even said to me, David, this is all you need. Mm -hmm. This is really all you need. And so, especially with the truth in that, you don't need all those other books where you might not trust the author. It's all here. This is really, we talked about this before, this really is the blueprint for life. This is it. And, yeah, and the more we know, yeah. the more we can share that with others yeah. who desperately need to know. Mm -hmm. In other words, I was 27 years old when I accepted Christ and I, the Bible opened up to me. You know, right. But before that, we were just like... Uh, we're like blind, you know. Oh, the Bible yeah. says we're dead we in our trespasses yeah. and sins. We didn't have a right. we didn't have a GPS. We didn't no. have a compass. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is how to live life. This is how to go in that direction. So here we're seeing. Since we're here, let's just turn back to the Book of Acts for a moment. Okay, and we, look which at, number you want? Uh, Acts chapter twenty. And we'll look at. A, we're just going to look at a couple things. We're going to take a break in a minute, uh, and. Uh, but I wanted to look at uh, when we start establishing yeah, each person. Mm -hmm. And look at verse 27 and 28, David. Okay. 27 and 28. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church which he bought with his own blood. Okay, now lots going on there. Oh, yeah. Number one, when did God bleed? He says, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. 
Yeah. You see the Trinity here? Yes, I do. The Holy Spirit, I certainly Trinity do. God, which he purchased with his own blood. You see the yeah. Redeemer? All of these yeah. are interacting here, right. but it's singular. But notice verse 27. He says, For I have not shunned or re neglected to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Or yeah. you're reading is though. What that means is what does it say in from Genesis to Revelation? Where people get hung up is they just take one little verse and pull it out of context. And they try to make a major doctrine on that. I don't believe in the Trinity. Cause da, 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 da. I don't believe that. We'll take the whole counsel of God. What is the, what's the unity of the message saying from Genesis to Revelation? Right. right. Then that's seamless. See, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 35, Scripture cannot be broken. You know the only thing Jesus may have owned on this earth? Remember he was buried in a borrowed tomb? He says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, the sun have no. Yeah. May, the only thing he may have owned on this planet was the robe. Right. And mm -hmm. you know why You know why the soldiers didn't cut that robe? Because soldiers, Roman soldiers, yeah, when they killed somebody. It was high quality, one piece. It was but, singular. Yes, it was right, seamless. One, right. One See, piece the word of God is seamless. Yes. Once you get into the word of God, it perfectly fits together. Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus says, Scripture cannot be broken. Mm -hmm. But it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, unlearned people will take the word of God and they'll twist it and they'll break it apart and they make it no effect. That's where cults come in. For example, Jehovah Witness bought into an ancient uh, heresy against the Trinity. It's called Arianism. It was started by a, a monk by the name of Arius in the third century. But he says Jesus is not God. He's a lesser God. And if you go to them, they'll say he's Michael the Archangel. We'll get into this in the shows mm -hmm. coming down the mm -hmm. future. But what I'm getting at, each one is going, we're going to look at these heresies that come against the Trinity. And the church says, no, that's not what the Word of God says. See, one of them is Arianism. That was there, saying ah. Jesus is God. Another one is called modalism. We're going to break for a song. Thank you. Thank you, Samuel. We're going to break for a song. We're going to come back. And we're going to pick it up on that side. You're listening to WNZNW. NZN. This is WNZN Power 89.1 FM Lorraine. You're listening to the John Murtha Show. Let's get back into this fabulous discussion. Thank you, Samuel. I'm sitting here with Samuel, our station engineer this morning, and my good friend David. And we're talking about a very important truth and the major doctrine of the Christian faith, and that is the Trinity. And we looked at why, why so many people don't believe it. Is They say, I can't understand it, or it doesn't seem logical. Well, we looked at earlier on that the Bible clearly declares there's things we don't fully understand. And we looked at Isaiah chapter 55 where God says, My thoughts are not like your thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. We looked at Deuteronomy 29, 29, where it says the secret things belong only to the Lord, but the things he has revealed, he's revealed to us and to our children. In other words, we can grasp it, hold it, pass it off to the next generation. And then we started getting into this. And the, the critical issue really is what is truth? What is the truth? Now, if it doesn't reveal that, then we should say it doesn't reveal. But if it does reveal that from the Old Testament through the New Testament, then we should say that's what it's saying. And so let's go back and just look at some of these titles that are applied to God uh, when we go back. In, let's go to Isaiah 44, verse 6, David, for a moment. Okay, Isaiah 44. Um, we're going to do a whole show on Isaiah and the Dead Sea Scrolls in the near future. Isaiah 44? Uh, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Okay. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. 
Apart from me, there is no God. Do you see these titles he's using yeah. here? King of Israel, Redeemer, Lord of Lord. Uh, then he says, I am the first and the last. Yeah. Now stay, stay with it. Look at just back a little bit. Look at Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4. Isaiah 41, verse 4. Go ahead if you have it. Okay. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am he. In other words, he's saying, I am the first, and I am the last. Well, why that's so important is because when you go to Revelation chapter 1, when you go to Revelation chapter 1, nobody would argue that Isaiah is not speaking about God. But look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 says this. When John has the vision of the, uh, the ascended, glorified Jesus, he falls to his knees and he says this, verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. <laughs> and we know that's Jesus. That. Yeah. Because the next verse says, I am he who lives and was dead. Well, when was God You see what I'm saying? When did he shed his blood? When did he die? Well, all of these are ascribed to Jesus. But notice that title. He declares, I am the first and the last. Again, that belongs only to God. Look at verse 8 of chapter 2. He says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the what? The first and the last, who was dead and who came to life. There's no yeah. ambiguity yeah. here. You see, either we, we have to break all the scriptures or we got to say, How is this scripture speaking to me? The you know, what, what Omega, is, just all exactly the way back right. to the beginning. Exactly yeah. right. And Alpha and the Omega simply means it's like a circle. It has no beginning. That's how they wrote it in the Greek. It has no beginning and no end. And that's that's why Jesus, in John chapter 8, when he says, Before Abraham was, I am. Yeah. It says they picked up stones and wanted to stone him. Because he's using the title that God used at the burning bush when he says to Moses, You go tell them, I am that I am. See? Jesus, when he uses these statements. Now, unbelievers don't have access to In other words... The Bible is the only book you have to know the author to understand the message. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Right. If a man does not have the Holy Spirit of God, he can't understand the things of God. That's why really smart people, PhDs, everything else, they'll say the Bible is a joke. That's right. They'll just they I think it's ridiculous. I experienced that a lot in the trading. Uh, I had PhDs when I was in uh, financial services, and I asked them, do you believe in God? And they said no. I said, well, then what's our purpose in life? He, you know, and they would tell me that it's about the memories you leave behind in other people. That was the answer. That's and it. these are brilliant people, John. Brilliant. Because they don't have that. Professing yeah. themselves to be wise, Right. they became fools. Yes. And again, what the, what the Bible does, it reorients us and it gives us. Mm -hmm. But you have to have the Holy Spirit. Just like this morning, we need that Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to kind of illuminate. Oh, yeah, yeah we see the connection. Yeah. We see... This is children's bread. This is meant for all of us. You know, John, one of the things when we got started, um, and I think I mentioned this the other day when we had uh, a friend of mine over, uh, Mark, and we were talking about the Trinity and everything. Um, and, you know, you got me to look at it from a child's eye. You started me on the basics of the Bible, and you gave me the foundational items that I need to carry through as I start to read the Bible for the first time from front cover to the back. And what was clear to me is that I could easily get lost in the weeds. 
if I started to look at one verse in isolation instead of looking at that verse but having the ability, and I didn't have that ability, I don't know how many humans have that ability, to lay up all the similar scriptures to give that a complete story versus just cutting something out as an abstract and saying it stands alone. And that's what you taught me. So I carry that forward. It's the same thing I learned in financial services when we built our systems is I cannot look at, I can look at one dimension. I can't look at eight to 15 dimensional items and make a, a good decision to trade. Very similar to understanding the Bible by doing one little abstract and saying, I understand it. This is what it says. Exactly right there. Yeah. That's why the scholars will tell you, first look at it with a telescope right. and then look at the word of God with a microscope. Look, let's get the overview first. And then let's drill down like we're doing specific little verses here. Mm -hmm. Let's compare verses here. First telescope, big picture, right. panoramic. What's the Bible yeah. saying? You know, holy God, sinful man, mm -hmm. redemptive story. Yeah. And then let's drill down. Let's look at John chapter 1. You see, then you're drilling down and you mm -hmm. see how the whole thing fits mm -hmm. together. It's a little like if you inherited a lot of money and you were going to buy build something in Maui, in Hawaii. Well, you didn't know it. You didn't know the thing. The first thing you do when you might get there is you might want to rent a helicopter and fly over yeah. the island, see where the rivers are, see where the best coastal sick. See, then after that, you might want to go down and get in a car and then drive to those areas you thought were really good. And then you might want to get out of the car and walk along and start going in some certain houses. And then when you really find a house, you start measuring the backyard, the closets, the kitchen. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But you want that overview, and that's going to give you the best yes. one to get. Same thing with Scripture. Right. You want that yeah. overview. And we'll talk more about this yeah. in the weeks to come when we'll right. do a panoramic view. But if you go to John chapter 1, uh, he, th this is very interesting because oftentimes when you read the letters or the Gospels, they are front-end loaded, which means it has heavy doctrine in the beginning and it has real practical teaching for behavior and conduct towards the end of the letter. Mm -hmm. Well, John is loaded. John right, Yeah, if you read John chapter 1, um, verse 5. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. And I'm, the, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, 1 through 5. 1 through 5. Uh -huh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, now th th this is, again, wow. it's saying in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So here we see, remember, this is like Genesis 1. You know, let us, plural, you see some plurality, yeah. but mm -hmm. it's singular. Right, it goes God, back to that, yeah. The Word was with God, community. He was in the beginning with God, and then he says he was God. Mm -hmm. You understand? It's, so then he expands on that. All things were made through him, with a, so he's the creator. Yes. And then it says, in him was life. So he's the life giver. You see all of this in yes. early Genesis, Without him, right? nothing was made that has been made. And he's the light yes. of men. Right. Well, the Old Testament, Psalm 27, says uh, the, the God is light. You see, God is light. So we're ascribing all of this to the person of Jesus. And then later on, it'll say, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So it doesn't leave us a lot of room to say anything yeah. other than what he is. Even right. though we don't fully understand, right. one God, three yeah. co-equal, co-eternal persons in that God. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Distinctly. And so uh, we hold this intention, this mystery, 
but the word of God reveals it. That's the important thing. When people don't understand it, they fall off into error. And these right. errors have been with the church from the beginning. I just mentioned one was Arianism by a monk by the name of Arius. He said, no, Jesus is a lesser God. Jehovah Witness would claim he's uh, Michael the Archangel. He's a, a God. Demi exactly like right. Those lines. Uh, the other one is modalism. Mm -hmm. Modalism will say there's a singular God, but he has three roles. It's like oh, I'm yeah, a father. Right. Brother, I'm a son, husband, brother. Yeah, that's right. that's not distinction. I'm right. still this one person. That that's wrong. Mm -hmm. You see, and so each one of these uh, will declare. Another one. It's not popular today. Docetism was that Jesus was a spirit. He didn't have flesh. Hmm. So you get these. Another was adoptionalism, which at one point Jesus was just an ordinary man, a special man, but at one point God adopted him as his son, anointed him, and sent him forth. It doesn't fit. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So once you understand this. You can look at different philosophies, cults, religions, just like the Word of God says. You can test them, almost like an x-ray. You can say, that's off there, that's off there. The Mormons are off here. Mormons believe, uh, Islam believes Jesus is a great prophet, but he doesn't allow us. You know, when I work with Muslims, I say, look, if Jesus is just a prophet, then he's a false prophet. They go, why? I go, well... He's forgiving sins. He's receiving worship. He says, where two or three are gathered together, I'm in your midst. I'm going to come back one day on clouds of glory. I said, you're not going to get Moses or Elijah. No these way. guys saying this yeah. stuff. No you know, Jesus, he says in Matthew chapter 13, he's Lord of the Sabbath. Well, God made the Sabbath. How could Jesus be Lord of the Sabbath? So you see what I'm saying? We keep working. Let me give you an example of how this works out. Look at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Um, I'm sorry, uh, we'll, we'll go to Matthew chapter 26. This is when Jesus oh, is being tried. 26. Okay. Go ahead. He's being tried by the high priest. This is, he's actually has five separate trials prior to his crucifixion. Some are religious, some are civil. <clears throat> but notice verse 62. What does it say? Right, hold on. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, notice at this point, Jesus was kept silent, right? Mm -hmm. But now the high priest, in the office of the high priest, puts him under an oath. Yeah. And so Jesus will respond. He's mm -hmm. respecting that office. He says, I put you under oath right now. You tell us plainly. Art thou the Christ, the Son of God? Right. And Jesus says, You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And after that, they'll say, the high priest tore his clothes, saying, he has spoken blasphemy. Yep. What for? Why? Because he being a man made himself to be God. Because he's quoting from Daniel chapter 7. When the when the Son of Man meets the Ancient of Days and he's coming back in clouds of glory, Shekinah glory, uh -huh. to judge the earth. That was God. And they, Jesus is clearly declaring that. There's no wiggle room here, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He, he just yeah. doesn't allow it. He's either who he says he is. You know, C.S. Lewis says says this. Look, it's called the tri-dilemma. That's three problems. Or He says, either Jesus is a lunatic like somebody would say, hey, I'm Napoleon. Well, you put people like that in the psychiatric, you know. Or he's a liar. He knew what he was saying. He was misleading people and he was a liar. Or he's Lord. 
there's no, there's no other room for it, unless you want to say he's a legend that he never existed. He was like uh, Peter Pan or something. But we, this man changed human history. We know yeah. he, he cannot be a lunatic. Mm-hmm. He changed history, you know, for the good, you know. Yeah. And, and like I, I was telling an atheist friend, he, you know, he didn't believe, he didn't believe. I says, Jesus changed all of human history. He goes, I don't believe it. I says, when you were born? He says, 1952. I said, 1,952 years from what? He looked at me. Oh, from the birth of Jesus. I go, your birthday's based on his birthday, pal. You should think about it. We were laughing. We were laughing. But you're in Matthew. Let's just turn back a little bit in Matthew uh, to chapter um, 22. Um, This this is where Jesus, um, uh, when he's talking about authority, Mm -hmm. um, he, he, he describes himself as the one, the stone that the builders rejected. If you notice, which verse? Uh, yeah. uh, chapter twenty-two, mm-hmm. uh, verse forty-two. Okay, let's see here. Okay, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, "How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand." until I put your enemies under your feet. Now, what he's doing here is very interesting. He's playing high-level chess with these guys because they're coming to him, and they're usually asking him questions to trick him, right? Mm -hmm. But he asks them a question. He says to them, uh, whose son is he? And they say, the son of David. See, they knew when the Messiah would come, he'd have to be of the lineage of David. He'd have to come from Judah, the kingly line. That's why people refer to him as son of David, thou son of David. Okay. So they got that part right. But then he says to them, okay, then how then does David in the spirit, in other words, he was inspired, this is not David's thoughts, the Holy Spirit inspired David to write this. We're going to look at this in a minute. Said to him, the Lord said to my Lord, see what's going on? The Lord said to my Lord, mm-hmm. sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, God, how is he his son? Do you understand what he's saying to him? This he's, he checkmates them. Yeah. He's he's quoting from Psalm 110. He's saying, "How can this one predate David? He's God. He's the Lord, but he comes after David. Do you know how? The incarnation. Yeah. See, he predates because he's yes. the Alpha and the Omega, yes. but he comes from the lineage of David through the line of Mary all the way down. Yeah." The incarnation. So he's the son of David. Uh, and that goes back, we'll turn to Psalm 110. Once you understand the relationship of the Old and New Testament, it really makes sense, so to speak. See, it says after that, they couldn't answer him anything. They were stuck. <laughs> but look at look at uh, Psalm, Psalm 110. Which verse? Uh, look at verse uh, 1 and 2. 1 and 2. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. You see, what it, that's what, just what Jesus quoted. The Lord yeah. said to my Lord. In other words, <laughs> God the Father said to his Son, the Lord, God, right. sit at my right hand. Where is Jesus right now? Right hand. Right hand of the yeah, Father right. in his ascension. Yeah. Until when? Till I make your enemies your footstool. One day he's going to return Everything is going to be subdued Look from Satan. That. Wow. And that's why Perfection. it'll say yeah. he comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. Okay? And then it says, uh, 
The Lord shall send the rod of your strength, rule out of Zion. And then he goes down here and he says in verse 4, The Lord has sworn he will not relent. In other words, take it back. Speaking to his son, you are a priest for how long? Ever. Forever. You know why Jesus is a priest forever? What's he doing for us right now in the heavenlies? What's he doing? He's praying for us. He yes. ever liveth to right. make intercession. Right. He says, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, yeah. not Levi. Why? Melchizedek in the Old Testament, it doesn't show his lineage. Oh, he just okay. comes out. I didn't know that. No. Oh. He does, all through the Old Testament, huh. you see the lineage, who, whose father and forefather. But Abra Melchizedek comes out. No lineage given. He meets Abraham. Right? Abraham pays ties to him. He gives him bread and wine. And then he exits stage left. I didn't know that. And so that's why Jesus is a type. The other thing about Melchizedek, he's both a king and a priest. It was impossible for the Levitical people to be king and priest. Because hmm. you had to be a to be a priest, you came from the tribe of Levi. To be a king, you had to come from the tribe of Judah. So he says, You are forever a priest after wow. the earth. So what I'm getting at. It's like threads. Yeah. It's like threads. Oh, yeah. They all mesh together. Yeah, perfect. Nobody nobody has a source of authority no like this. You understand? Th th this is what we were talking about, though. You know, for me, from my perspective, th there's all of these clear visuals, but there is no way to, to for me to, to archive them all. So you almost have to write stuff down. You have to understand you can't look at one thing in isolation. We're back to that again. Yeah. And, and I think where you see the deviation with a lot of people is they do that. They have a tendency to do that, at least from what I've seen in my young career with this. And and, and w when you put it all together, it's just beautiful it's harmony. It's magnificent. Yeah, it's, it's in a beautiful it's a, story. I think you said to me the other day when we were out, he goes, it's, you said it's an incredible love story. Yeah, because I mean, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, because <laughs> how is God going to redeem and, and right. you know, the, how is the bridegroom going to get his bride back? That's right. what Revelation is all about. And exactly. so, Samuel, we're going to close now. And I just want to thank Samuel again for being the engineer Thanks, this Sam. morning. Good to, good to be with you today. Thank you, David, for being with us. And Thanks, for everybody John. tuning in, listening. I just want to close with what this verse I opened up with was in chapter, uh, the last chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen. And Amen. so he closes with that yeah. Trinity benediction. And I like that. So God bless all of you. Have we a hope great weekend, God willing, everybody. We'll have another show next week and we have some special.